Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com, check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we're going to throw it back a little bit to you and give you something a little different. We are going to bring back from the 2015 edition of the seminar the introduction talks uh, of both Landon Evans and Jim Snyder. And along with that, we are going to offer you a 20% discount code at the link that we are going to post below in iTunes, Podomatic, and YouTube, as well as on the site. Um, click the link below, use the discount code, and you can get 20% off the talk. These 2015 introductions are really what sparked the seminar, so I hope you guys still enjoy the talks as much as I did, and as much as I do still today. Let's get right to them. Snides, let's get right to it, bud. Let's let's hear what's getting you excited right now out there in Wisconsin. Okay, sounds good. Um, I guess I'll just kind of start off with talking about where we're at right now with, with uh, ice hockey. We just finished our season. Uh, our season's obviously extremely long. Starts in uh, September, goes till... April for decent. Unfortunately, the men were really, really bad this year, but the women were really, really good. So, kind of it was a uh, kind of met in the middle with both the men's and women's teams. But uh, kind of where we're at right now is we're off season one, which basically is our obviously GPP phase, and kind of what we're looking at is basically a structural balance model, or kind of preparing the guys um, and girls for the off season training, so that we can they're able to handle some of the, the more stressful uh, activities that we do in the off-season. Um, and the model that we use um, is basically looked at what, what, what I call or term it as uh, post-season tissue re-education. So how we go about that is really it's kind of higher-level yoga in disguise um, is the easy way to think about it. So we're actually looking for fascial changes within the muscles, within the ligaments, tissues, in my opinion, um, and there actually is some, some newer research out there that says that tendons, ligaments, muscles, they're all the same thing. They all connect and join in the same thing. They're, they're this old notion of that ligaments and tendons and muscle and bone all kind of connect in a different area. They're all the same. So that's kind of what we look at. So an example would be our first phase, uh, two, three-week block, is typically – working the muscle in elongation under an isometric load in basically the basic, the ex most extreme position. So an example would be we might do an elevated lunge on top of two 45-pound bumper plates. The athletes are in the stretch position as far as they can, especially working with ice hockey where they typically have – they're in a bad posture, so they're, more of their issues are frontal or sagittal plane issues where we're looking at quadricep, hip flexor, obliques, abdominals up to the opposite pec. So we're actually putting the athletes in an extreme stretch position to kind of help get a fascial change. So we're, so we're going, we're starting at two minutes of total time working at four to five minutes of total 
time. The end time really depends on where postseason ends and so how we can progress. So we start at two each each workout. We progress up 30 seconds each time. Um, and so we're actually working the tissue at end range. So you have origin insertion, tissue stretched. You're working those those components while also increasing flexibility at the same time um, and breaking adhesions. That's kind of the first block in a nutshell. And then after that, we basically overlay, come back into more submaximal eccentrics in this exactly the same exercise or range of motion that we were doing. So if it was a, a, an extreme lunge, the next position would be a barbell um, forward lunge and basically sinking down in that same position. We elevate the back foot just to give a little bit longer eccentric stress and kind of get, again, through some of that tissue change that we were, were trying to get go after um, to kind of help rebalance the things. So in short, really, it's putting the muscle on extreme stretch, allowing a fascial change, which requires at minimum two minutes up to four to five minutes, then taking the tissue and now working it through a submaximal eccentric um, change to actually kind of break through adhesions and strengthen the tissue through that range of motion. And actually through submaximal eccentrics, you're also getting your muscle endurance uh, um, work as well. So there's actually, I was just reading a, a new book, um, shit, uh, I think it's Eccentric Training by Holmgren, I, I forget the exact name, but there's some really interesting stuff looking at submaximal eccentrics and how really there's more of a shift to type 2A, so obviously then you're going to have more, uh, it's going to be more muscular endurance, which is kind of what we're after. But really, in hindsight, it's what I'm looking at is, again, just trying to balance out the body. I work with hockey players, which is a unique population. So we're trying to, again, the, why I like the lunge, it's sagittal plane range of motion. Okay, Hockey is typically a lateral or a frontal plane range of motion. So that would be more specific. We're postseason one, right off the postseason. So we should be working on things that are very nonspecific. We run in the offseason. We sprint in the offseason. So we're trying to get them back into that linear um, area or linear uh, feedback to get back in that range of motion so they kind of understand that. And then we add in some of our you know, speed mechanics drills, just re-educating them on how to move properly. Um, another interesting thing we do is same thing with the hamstring. So in ice hockey, the hamstring works as a hip extensor. So we know that the hamstring either works with as a knee flexor or a hip extensor. Well, in ice hockey, there's no knee flexion taking place except for as Jay stated earlier if you're sitting your ass on the bench so <laughs> so really what we look at is then this is the time of the year that we really like to train the hamstring as a knee flexor again a couple different things one it's non-specific two it's very very important for knee health so we really need to kind of get that tissue remodeled and strengthened because in the off season we run we sprint we jump um, we do extensive jumping. So really we need to educate the kind of re-educate those tissues around the knee joint area to be able to withstand those forces along with ankle calf area as well, because the guys are in skates and there's no, there's hardly any ground impacts, ground force impacts as, as there is in basketball, soccer, any kind of running sports. So that's another area that we have to address is the ankle foot complex because typically what you'll hear in, in ice hockey players is right after the season, guys will run the shit out of them and they're going to have shin splints and 
low back SI joint issues and all kinds of stuff like that. So be, just because they're not, they, they don't, the, the, the body is not educated, you know, properly like it should be. So we're in, like I said, we're in GPP trying to kind of address those issues that are completely nonspecific to ice hockey, which is, in my opinion, what you should do when you evaluate your sport, look at it. Okay, what are the nonspecific movements? Those are probably the areas that you should kind of address uh, postseason. And then as you go, obviously, you become more specific. So I'm a big proponent of specific activities. I think that, you know, as we get closer to the season, things become very much more specific. Um, because if, if it's nonspecific, it's an outside stressor that's taken away from their ability to compete as an athlete. So in my opinion... You know, there's different schools of thought out there. Some people think that if you're doing similar or specific type of movements that you're going to have overuse. Um, I strongly disagree with that. I think that you're actually increasing a, an outside stressor that's going to uh, take away from sport form. That's my opinion. Um, but I think that really that's what I look for is I'm trying to drive performance. So, But this is we're not really talking about performance. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's where... Like I stated before, I talked about we're looking at isometric and then we're looking at eccentric. So um, a lot of people are familiar with Triphasic. Um, awesome book and excited to hear what Cal has to say at the conference. And I was actually fortunate enough to work with Cal um, kind of in the, in the beginnings of some of that stuff. And the difference is, is this is not a performance model whatsoever. It's basically a structural balance model where I'm kind of getting guys ready for uh, other models down the road. So the biggest difference people, the question I get all the time is, well, how come are you doing isometrics versus eccentrics where triphasic is the opposite, right? Well, triphasic is a performance-based model capitalizing on residual effects of training. So trying to drive performance. This model is not trying to drive performance whatsoever. It's basically trying to regroup patterns and kind of balance the body, um, you, if you will, to kind of help them for the off-season training and prepare the tissues, structures, joints for what's about to come. Um, and down the road. No, that's awesome. Uh, so looking at it, if we're, all, if we're not looking at it performance-wise, there still needs to be a way to evaluate this, right? Yep. So talk about how you look at kind of pre-post, how you realize these are affecting these student-athletes in a positive manner. So kind of what we looked at, um, I guess one is eye test or postural tests. Some of the guys have done, uh, where we've done postural screens on the... Uh, uh, a line of bod, just looking posturally, what's going on with guys. Uh, and then pre, so before this block, postseason, we look at, uh, we look at uh, force plate on a Leonardo, uh, dual axis force plate, so we get left and right jump at the same time. So we look at any imbalances that way. We also use a, a force plate and also look at that while they're performing a wide balance test to look at center of pressure, kind of how the foot, moves where their weight is distributed and then kind of obviously with the white balance is just a range of motion test um and then we also look at uh eye dexa but really what we're going to do after we're done with this this training block here is to kind of verify that things are working is actually looking at are they able to hold center pressure in, in a more uh medial or neutral standpoint so are they you know more balanced or is things out of whack and are they able to increase ranges of motion um, with some of their movements um, through the uh, Y-balance test? So really that's kind of how we're going to look at this. Um, you know, other, other stuff would be more obviously subjective stuff where I've had athletes, some professional athletes that are done early 
go through this similar model and then get invited to world championships. So, and when they go and play, then they're, they're telling me that they're actually feeling better and performing at a, at a higher level. Now, um, you know, that's my, my goal, like I said before, was not to drive performance. And this is the only time of year that I'm not trying to drive performance. Any other time of the year, that's all I care about is performance, 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 performance. That's it. Um, so really the only time that we're not worried about increasing sport performance would be probably the four to five weeks following the season. And driving home the eccentrics also has a high neural component as well. Uh, yes, but they're more submaximal. So I would say that there's probably not as large of neural uh, component as it would be with uh, overloaded decentrics. So, um, I'm sorry, I, the isometrics. Did I say the eccentrics? I meant the isometrics. I'm sorry. So the, the two to five minute holds in the beginning. Yep. So how does that, how do you, how do you kind of branch that together? So looking at it fascially and nervously. Yep. So from a fascial standpoint, that's the hard part. You can't really assess, uh, I mean, you, you can through hands, right? And so I'm lucky enough that I'm a massage therapist as well. So when I assess guys pre and post, obviously, I'm, I'm able to do more manual work on guys and kind of address them from a manual standpoint, which obviously then you can look at some of the – if you do a, a pre-test, obviously, which is what we do beforehand, I can look, take guys through an assessment. Um, and we might as well talk about my assessment. So assessment basically is – a modification of the movement screen um, is just basically a global picture. And then from there, I break down into wherever it leads me as far as looking at guys, um, you know, more microscopically. Like if I, do I see something, what's going on? Do I look at, can they pronate, supinate fully, right? So if they don't have full pronation, supination, if I start doing pull-ups, you have neck issue, they're going to have shoulder issues, neck issues, all that kind of stuff. So FMS is just a, global picture and then from there I can kind of break it down and then look at guys and typically with ice hockey players they they very frequently um, demonstrate the, the similar patterns um, you know so when I'm doing the screen it's very fast I'm not over analyzing anything but if I see something that goes oh shit then I'll uh, I'll pull them off to the side and maybe do a more thorough uh, manual evaluation because that's really the, the, the objective of it is to see okay with my assessments I do some a, a very a modified movement screen. I look at um, spinal compression, both statically, so under a long dura longer duration load, and also dynamically. So I can see obviously, can a, if a guy can't handle static compression, probably shouldn't put a bar on his back for too long of a time. If a guy can handle static compression and can't handle dynamic compression, well then you have to be careful with some of the jumping. So if you're doing barbell jumps or anything like that, you need to understand that they might have some issues with, with some of those things. So we look at that. Um, again, that just helps me from my exercise prescription standpoint. When I'm on the floor, not everybody's doing the same exact thing. And theme-wise, the majority of guys are theme-wise doing similar things, but other guys might do something different based on orthopedics or might do something different based on some of our jump analysis tests that we do there. You know, so that's how we kind of individualize it over there. But it's a lot easier for me to 
make corrections on the floor with guys when I kind of know what their orthopedic limitations are at the current time. That's awesome. And then, so looking at the isometric to eccentric yep. um, steps, yeah. you actually see in your manual therapy, like you can feel, absolutely. you can feel the changes. Yeah, absolutely. The, the adhesions, um, <laughs> if they are adhesions, <laughs> that's a whole other animal. But <laughs> I guess the, the areas of tension or we'll just call them for adhesions because that's what most people understand them as. Um, really, you can definitely feel that they, they, they really break down so the tissue quality becomes more pliable and moves better in those specific planes of motion that we're training them. That's so. awesome. And you're, for most of your guys, because skating is... Yep, lateral. We're, we're looking quad, hip flexor, oblique. Yep, all path. the way up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then, a but simple example for the upper body would be... Uh, so we'll just do an elevated, like we'll get into a, a, a extreme uh, elevated. So we'll basically elevate their hands on a couple bumper plates, get into a push-up position. That this will be block uh, or block one here. Right. So obviously they're in that stretch position, trying to get the pack, pack minor, and all that fascia throughout the shoulder girdle to kind of open up. Um, and then, so that's an example of the the uh, isometric holds in that phase, so we're lengthened. And then we might get into either – typically my guys are really, really weak because they don't use their upper bodies a whole lot in, in ice hockey. So then the next step will just be we may go just – some guys, the majority of the guys will go into a push-up, uh, an eccentric push-up or an eccentric dumbbell pinch, something like that. Um, just working again. Now we're working at – we've worked at end range and now we're working tension through the, through the range of motion. And so really I think the model works – Anybody could adapt it to depending on what their sport is. I happen to adapt it to sagittal plane of motion because the guys don't understand sagittal plane of motion. Skating is much more frontal plane. Adductors, is, as we talked about before, adductor tone is all screwed up. It's on length, so I kind of let that quiet down and try to work on more um, sagittal plane of motion because we're going to, again, like I said, we're going to run and sprint and do different ranges, do different things in, the, in that in the offseason. Um, to help guys obviously become better. So. Now you, like you said, you're, you're an LMT as well. Yep. Do you find that this makes that job easier in the off season, where you don't need to go and literally put your hands on as many people as often because of yeah, block one? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. I it, it definitely. Uh, so I guess the question would be, so am I feeling a different, I'm, I'm doing less manual work, right? Is what you're asking me? Correct. Like, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's always time for manual work depending on what's going on. Cause obviously no program is perfect. Um, but yeah, it definitely reduces the amount of manual work that I have to do in, in the, uh, on the off season, you know? So that's awesome. And then do you look to possibly revisit things like this or look at these benchmarks that you set in a return-to-play model, or is this so far removed from the sport form that this is just basically your return-to-train model almost? Yep, exactly. Right, spot on. Not a return-to-play. Only, like I said before, only right after the season, full season. So basically getting pre preparing the body to 
to train, really, I guess is what, what, what I would say. So, because it's very, like we talked about before, it's very non-specific. So I wouldn't use that, that um, I would not use that as a return to play model, no. And then looking, so now, you just talk now, the push, now, oh, go ahead. I'll let me, let me back, let me, let's backtrack. Now, if you think about those principles, if there was injury, uh, I definitely would go back to uh, that type of model, absolutely. So, again, this is where the, the tissue modeling comes into play. So let's, let's take, do you want me to use your basketball? Let's use basketball. Okay. So if a basketball player has an ankle sprain, I would use, put them into where their ankle sprain is and kind of work isometrically at, at that um, inversion, if it was an inversion ankle sprain. Work them in that, in that lengthened position, right, because fascially now, you're teaching the scar tissue, especially post-injury. Now, I wouldn't do this two to three days um, uh, with, with, with an injury. I would say maybe five days past because you're going to have inflammation and things like that going on. So you do whatever whatever mode you feel you need that people need to do for handling inflammation those you know, first five days. Then maybe you put that tissue into length. Again, trying to get it to, get it to remodel um, in the same relationship as the tendons or the muscles, so the same way that they go. So then scar tissue doesn't kind of, right, we know how scar tissue goes like this and crisscrosses all over the place. So now you try to get it, if you work the, the let's just use one muscle or tendon, if you work isometrically in that range, now you're in theory trying to get that tissue to remodel um, along with the, in, in series or in parallel. With the uh, with the muscle and the direction of the injury, does that make sense? Yeah, lay the north south road north and south. Don't lay it east and west. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, no, and I think that's I think that's brilliant, especially looking. I mean, because basketball players roll their ankles a lot, and absolutely, once the swelling is down and they can move, yep. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, so we've talked hip flexor, quad with the lunge. Yeah. We've talked. Pack with the push-up. Yep. But of course, then the next question would be, okay, so now all we're talking about is the front of the body. How do you handle the backside during this GPP phase? Yep. So then backside would be, I guess we could work, so we'll work from the top side. So hockey players, extremely kaphotic rounded. So now what we're doing, we start lunge, first exercise, second exercise, push-up, right? So we're releasing front side then the next ex then the next thing we go is to the back side after we've opened the pack kind of worked in that extreme position now we're actually gonna work to i guess shorten the the back side because typically rhomboids and tissues of the back side of hockey players because of the postures that they're in all year long is lengthened so we're actually trying to kind of re-educate it to shorten so the timing becomes same thing, we're still it's even longer duration timing with the, the backside of the body just because typically that's where more of our postural muscles are, so they're more slow twitch dominance. So it's going to take you a longer time, period of time, to get some more change. Anytime there's a stretch, now you're looking at fascial change, so you're staying within that two to four minute window. Now, when you're shortening, the timing becomes um, 
not quite as, uh, I guess, not quite as defined by research, I guess I would say. Um, so then it becomes just basically understanding the, you know, phasic tonic muscle issues and then basically working those muscles on a longer time because of the fact that they're postural muscles. So we may do a long duration um, prone iso row with, with dumbbells. So they're just laying down on the bench, driving up, understanding good shoulder relationship and holding that for a minute, minute and a half time. Um, we actually start that with more of an overcoming isometric, so which most people use in the, some people use in performance models. So the overcoming isometric would actually precede the longer duration row just to kind of help get deeper within the tissue and help recruit some of those um, higher threshold units um, faster, I guess. It's kind of trying to cheat the system. Um, then the next, I guess, the next thing that we would go into, so let's work down the line. Now we're looking at the hamstrings. Go back, um, like I talked about before. So now this is a time where we're actually working the, the just your basic hamstring curl. Um, and with ice hockey players, like we talked about before, the knee works as, or the hamstring works as a hip extensor, not a knee flexor. And so basically we start off grassroots with just using, partnering up and doing manual work. And it really doesn't require much more than two fingers um, because they're so weak in that position. But it's important to address that because obviously we understand, we know that, you know, working the hamstring and knee flexion is obviously important for knee health, things like that. Um, and in the sport of ice hockey where it's, you know, the knee flexion is not so much of a, uh, it's not so important. We work it in that, in that manner. So we're working leg curls, variations, um, working on isometric holds at end range. Again, same thing. So we're working on isometric holds at end range just so they kind of get the feel of kind of that tension through the hamstrings because they've never experienced that before other than when, um, you know, we, we just started this postseason. So that's how we do it. Um, and then same thing, we'll just take it, the hamstring now and from a, from a length in, at end range, and now we'll work it through, you know, an eccentric leg curl for block two. Yeah, no, that's that's freaking and, awesome because really. Go and we're ready to smash weights. Yeah, no, and really it's like, oh, we're going to hold here, and now we're just going to hold here. Yep. You know, oh, we're going to hold down there, and now we're going to hold back here. I think it's brilliant, and I, I really am uh, – going to be excited to see the results that you get from it with the men and the women there and yeah, you know how it how it turns out and helps the pro guys because i think that's that's really awesome snides this has been now, a great talk man say, it doesn't mean that we don't train we train oh so, yeah yeah yeah. I, I don't want people to get that idea at all i mean this absolutely. is you're talking what like three weeks four weeks maybe uh, in the uh, spring typically it's four weeks you know yeah. five at tops if we have a really bad season but it's usually four weeks so right. And then you've got all summer. So you're talking the eight, ten weeks the kids are the coming back. Yeah. And then, I mean, then you guys start classes and you've got, what, like 19 minutes before they start practice for hockey yeah. in August or whatever it is? Cause... It's, uh, it's uh, October, actually. One, one week before uh, practice starts. It's you guys we... get a whole week. One week. Yes. You get a lot done in a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right now I'm trying to keep the hockey coaches away from the basketball coaches so they don't come up with this, excuse my language here, idiotic rule of having summer touches all summer long. So hopefully we don't do that, especially in ice hockey. Let's just think about this. God didn't make people to skate for Christ's sake. 
<laughs> well, with that point, Snides, I think this has been an awesome talk. I think we leave it at that. I'm excited to see what you've got for us here in July. This was awesome, bro. I appreciate you taking the time out. Well, you know, I'm glad that uh, you invited me to come out there and speak, and hopefully I can uh... – you know, I'm just going to share what I do, and hopefully we have good conversation because that's how we all get better. Brilliant, brilliant. Snides, thanks a bunch, bud. All right, buddy. All right. See ya. Huge thanks to today's guest, Jim Snyder. Awesome talk. Always great to hear what people are doing right now with their athletes, trying to help them get better. Really enjoyed it. Every time I talk to Snides, I feel like I take something away from it. So as always, guys, you got anything to say, comments, questions, whatever it may be, just go ahead and leave it below. And if you guys liked it, you thought this helped, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, tweet it out, whatever it may be. And we hope to see you guys here in Richmond, Virginia, July 16th and 17th, where you can hear more from Jim Snyder at the 2015 Seminar.